1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again on this Friday morning is Shay Dixon. Shay, how are you doing? How are you feeling? You got coffee in you? Caffeine or something?
0: Yeah, no coffee. That's the other thing. If people don't know uh, about me and and my preferences, I've never had a cup of coffee in my life, Um, but not for any reasons of like uh, I'm on any health kick or anything. I drink way too many Coca-Colas. Uh, for that to be any sort of factor, but yeah, I got my Coca Cola in me. We're rocking
1: a Coca Cola every morning,
0: at least one, probably a few. That's
1: that's what they say, right? A, a Coca Cola a day, keep the doctor away. One hundred percent. There you go. Um Yeah, I don't drink coffee either, so we're good. We just I just wake up and go. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, too bad we don't have Billy on
0: here today, who's already probably had multiple coffees and energy drink. Uh I think he handles all that for us, so we're good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that the other thing is uh I know the Lions coach uh, Dan Dan Campbell says he drinks like 10 energy drinks a day, and you're like, okay, well not shocked. Goodness. That's that's about on brand, on brand looks looks on par for him. Um, but all right, today we're gonna uh, preview a little bit of our thoughts going to the southern game, uh talk about some breakout candidates and uh, what we want to see. Just moving forward in this kind of preview episode that we'll be doing um, every week on probably Friday morning. I think we're going to make it, but uh, we'll settle that in the coming weeks. But Shay, where do, you, where do we want to start here uh, as we, we open this podcast up? I know we talked to Brian Kelly um, last night. Uh, you know, those Thursday presses are always good, but they're not brown, groundbreaking usually. Uh, just what, what do you want to start here?
0: All right, I'm looking at my my handy uh, notebook. Yes. This is where all the the good stuff about Kelly goes in my uh, my very good handwriting, as you can see. If you're on the YouTube, it's page, actually pretty
1: good handwriting. I, I'm not. Yeah, it's kind of it's wow. great
0: handwriting, actually. Um, really all right, great. let's see. We were there. Let me run down some notes. Jack Besh, he said he has a stress stress fracture in his leg, which I'm guessing that was probably what kind of kept him in and out of fall camp. So that was kind of a reason he talked about. Uh, yeah. Besh kind of slowly being worked back in. And he's he's um, come
1: back. Um, I mean, he was back from that, you know, at the second half of fall camp. And I expected him to be kind of close to 100% at this point. But it sounds like they're still slowly ramping him up, which is a little concerning to me. But we'll we'll get into that later.
0: Um, let's see. I'll run through this fast. Uh, Mason Taylor, who was a true freshman that LSU, uh, signed this past class at tight end, which is obviously a big need position. I didn't actually think he would make this early of an impact, but Brian Kelly raved about him in camp. Uh, He said the other day or last night he put on 20 pounds over the summer, Uh, just needs to get stronger as a blocker, but they're going to continue to play him. I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting soon. I know Cole Taylor started that first game, but uh, we'll see how they work those tight ends. Um, From an overall perspective, I thought this was interesting. He said, clearly, everybody knows they didn't start fast in that game, and he wanted that kind of um, urgency, sense of urgency for all four quarters. And he thought they came out just a little bit flat uh, in that regard, but he really liked conditioning wise where they were in the fourth quarter guys weren't winded, none of that. And, you know, they were able um, to kind of make that stage that comeback. So I think kudos to the off season training program. They felt like it paid off there, even though they didn't win. Uh, But he said that this week in practice, so like normally in practice, they'll stretch and all that. Then they go to individual drills for like 20 minutes, which is basically like, Everyone's in their position group, and you're kind of just doing a walkthrough of, um, you know, whatever it is, something yeah,
1: receiver sp- drills, yeah, you know, position floor specific. Floor,
0: yeah. Uh, he said they skipped individuals and went straight into team stuff this week, every day, trying to, you know, from the start say, okay, we're right on to 11 on 11. Now get your energy ready, no lolly gagging around in position groups for 20 minutes. Uh, and he hoped that would kind of eliminate some of that. Um, obviously, Mason Smith done for the year. No surprise here, Makai Wingo, uh, out of Missouri, who transferred in, freshman All-SEC guy uh, a year ago, played really well when Smith went down. I mean, he had six tackles in the game. He got the fumble recovery at the goal line at the end to set him up for that 99-yard drive. Uh, so he'll get the start alongside and Roy on the D-line. And really, that's – I mean, he talked a little bit about, like, Will Campbell had to play his first game ever at left tackle and go start yeah. to finish against a really good D-line against FSU. He said they'll have to rotate guys and, and it's tough to do obviously every game rotating guys, but he wants to keep Campbell and them a little bit more fresh and not uh, have to go start to finish. So we'll see the O-line move around a bit this week. He didn't say uh, anything too specific there about what they're going to do, but we'll find out uh, come Saturday night. I think we'll probably see a few different O-line combos as that game goes on. Um, Obviously Kelly's excited. It's his first game in Tiger stadium. Um, he talked about that a lot, so I'm, I'm sure that a sellout crowd is, is cool for him. And then, I don't know, it sounds like Malik Neighbors may be back at punt return again or at least get a shot because um, kind of his feeling was, he said, in all my years of 30 plus years of coaching, the worst thing you can do right here is someone who's one of the most talented players on your team for good reason and was chosen for that spot for a good reason that he goes out there and messes up and that you never let him have that shot again, or you turn your back on him and his confidence goes even lower. So whether it's Sage Ryan, whether it's him, um, we'll kind of see what's going on at the punt return spot. And I'd say both of them should probably get back there and see how they look. Uh, so you can kind of get a vibe of of what your actual options are and what you want to do moving forward, because a week from now, they'll play Mississippi state and the sec opener. So that's a kind of the, main takeaways i thought from kelly i don't know if i missed anything matthew you were there
1: no I, th- I think you i think you got everything um we also talked to players on wednesday and player interviews always hit or miss you know sometimes you'll get good answers sometimes you won't it's just kind of how it goes um we had Jerick bernard converse who kind of just didn't say anything crazy even though he's a great speaker and obviously just answers the questions honestly but you get a lot from the the team after losses or usually from athletes after losses. It's like, we know we have to do better. We're working on it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I did think it was interesting to hear from Garrett Dellinger and hear about his thoughts on the, you know, first time snapping the ball consistently um, in a game and, you know, he's willing to move around wherever they need him to. And so from that perspective, who else did we get on Wednesday? Um Talk to Dre Jenkins.
0: Um, I think he's pretty much a leader. God, you got to think about it, guys, that Dre Jenkins has been on this team since 2018, red shirted. Mom passed away right after that season, wins a national championship in 19, then sort of has to become the guy in 2021, 22. I mean, he's caught game winners at Arkansas last year against Florida and against um Texas A&M, at the very end, last game of the season, obviously caught that game winner with about 20 seconds left. And this would have been, obviously, the game-tying touchdown with no time left. So he's proving to be a really clutch option uh, kind of when you get into that crunch time in the final minutes uh, as a guy who can get the end zone and uh, and do the job for you. So I, I enjoyed talking to him. You could tell he t- spent a lot of time with uh, neighbors because of the muffed punts, and he's in the receiver room, but also Bouté, who – He said that's a a once-in-a-lifetime bad game for Kayshawn. He was like, he is the best player on our team. He will not do that every week. And he said people beat up on Kayshawn. He's like, nobody's beating up on Kayshawn more than himself. And it's our job as teammates to kind of pick him up and carry him through it. And um, he sounded like he expects Kayshawn to have a really big game against Southern. I would not be surprised by that. Um, But, yeah, that uh, was kind of the takeaways from the week. Like you said, nothing, nothing too wild. A lot of the guys just saying, hey, look, we know what we did. We know we lacked urgency. We know we didn't execute a lot of the times, uh, but it's stuff we feel good about fixing in practice. And uh, I think it's good for them that they've got this Southern game before uh, Mississippi state. And uh, we'll dive right in there. Uh, Matthew, I'll start Southern. Let's see a week ago. This is great right here. Shout out Southern. Well, it wasn't in AI school, but Florida Memorial university was on the receiving end of an 86 to nothing defeat. This was like, Fifty to nothing at halftime, um, and some Southern fans were in my mentions, and I was like, "What does fifty to nothing look like at halftime on Twitter?" I was like, "I've got to know what this looked like," and they're like, "This honestly, it looks like a JV squad out there, and Southern are taking out their quarters, first quarters, second quarter. It sounded like, and we're still kind of running all over them, but uh, ultimately, Southern rushed for four hundred yards. Uh, they kept the kind of quarterback." Who was going to start? They pulled a Brian Kelly. They didn't name it till game time, but uh, it was B. Sean McCray, and he didn't have to do much. 7 of 12 passing, 79 yards, a couple touchdowns. He ran it for 78 yards, and you could call it a three-headed monster at running back, three running backs, but really it was a four-headed monster on the ground with McCray running it. Um, but they've got three running backs, all who went for 85, 84, and 84 yards. So they kind of split them up evenly, but um, their guy uh, is Braylon Morgan, who – Anyone around Baton Rouge will remember he was a Catholic high uh, standout back in the 2020 class. So uh, he's a few years old, older now, out of high school and been in that Southern program for a bit. But uh, he had a big game to start things out. He'll be sort of uh, their bell cow. Um, And then Dallas Black on the O-line is uh, considered to be one of the best O-linemen out in SWAC. And um, Deion Sanders, look, Matty B, Deion Sanders is getting all the SWAC pub right now they signed Travis Hunter. They're projected to win the SWAC, but Southern's projected to come out of the West. And uh, this will be the first time they've played uh, up to FBS level competition since 2018. They played TCU. Uh, that was a 55 to seven game. So 2018 to now there probably aren't any guys on this Southern team who are on that team, unless they've got one or two who are um, kind of fifth, sixth year guys, but mm-hmm. um, it'll be a cool opportunity, obviously. Uh, if you've got a roster full of guys who haven't played an FBS team, it gets to be LSU, the other hometown team. Uh, the first time ever these two programs are meeting, the first time LSU's ever played an HBCU. So uh, a lot of cool history on the line here. And uh, given it is the first time they played an HBCU, no better way uh, to kick things off uh, than playing Southern. They play Grambling next year, but uh, no better way to kick things off than here in town. Should be an awesome environment, sold out crowd. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of ran you down offensively, defensively, Matty B. They do have a couple guys. I know Brian Kelly talked about, oh, yeah. uh, they said no pushover on the D line. He said, they actually will have some guys that can test them.
1: Yeah. That's going to be the interesting part because of what we saw last week, right? That's what we saw in Florida state and defensively on the defensive line. You have Jason Dumas and uh, Jordan Lewis as your two, two headed monsters, two guys who were selected to the first team, uh, all SWAC defense team. Um, Jason Dumas was actually um, had eight and a half sacks, seventeen and a half tackles for loss last year for Prairie View. They add him, and then um, Jordan Lewis is a returner there. So you have a two-headed monster down the defensive line that in theory, if LSU is not up to snuff, even if it's 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 only Southern they're playing, they're still gonna have problems here. And that's not the look you want, especially uh going coming off of that Florida State game. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if initially there were a couple times where Jay and Daniels had to run for his life. I mean, just on a couple of occasions. I think they're going to be fine. I think they'll rotate guys in. And obviously, this isn't like a normal preview because it is the the, the FCS school you're playing. Um, but still, it, that's probably the one aspect of this game I'm really looking forward to seeing is, okay, yeah, this is Southern, but they have two defensive linemen that can, pro- can probably play an FBS level. Even if I'm not saying it's a P5 level, but they can play at an FBS level. So, uh, that's the main thing for me uh, going into this game. Um, I I wrote a whole story on the best players LSU plays the entire season, and Jason Dumas was the one for me uh, from Southern that I had written down. So that's gonna be interesting. Like you said, yeah. they're projected to come in first in the West. Uh, by the coaches, uh, obviously of Jackson State on the other side. But I mean, it's 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 a it's a team. They got a team over there at Southern, which is which is yeah. great. To see. And he's
0: the current FCS uh, leader in sacks. So um, is it Dumas or is it the uh, – gosh, maybe I skipped right.
1: I think it was that, the other one. Yeah, yeah I that, think that might
0: be – that might be Lewis who currently leads uh, the FCS in sacks. Anyways, yeah. r- regardless, you get the sense that uh, this will be a game that uh, they can at least get some uh, – the offensive line tested uh, and the front seven will be tested because Southern's going to try to run the football a good bit. Um like you said, this is kind of a shortened version of it, abbreviated version of our what our normal weekly preview will be just because uh, of the opponent. We kind of gave you a quick rundown there of, of kind of the strengths of Southern and uh, a sold-out crowd. It'll be fun to watch. Um, I did want to pump. Uh, we'll have a few more things here. This is one of our shorter pods each week just so that we can kind of give you something to gnaw on about the opposing team and about this matchup uh, before the weekend hits. You do a film study, a couple of them each week, but one of them that – I think LSU fans really wanted to see and got a lot of conversation going on the Bengal Tiger uh, was about Jack Bash. And uh, a year ago, he led LSU in catches, or at least right up there in catches. Um, but he, yeah, he came out uh, in what game one? He got one target, got one catch. Uh, Brian Kelly mentioned the stress fracture. It was kind of something he had battled through camp, but he was dressed out. He was out there, um, kind of the shortened version. Matty B, what did you what did you see when you watched the film when Besh was out there? Was he always open was he never open was it just kind of not the right calls for him kind of what's
1: the takeaway there were definitely some occasions where he was open um but the the hard part and the reason why i struggle to evaluate jay and daniels as a passer in that game is because of the offensive line and it's why i don't want to be like oh this offense is very limited you know all the takeaways that i would have normally i think from a game like that where there was very little in the way of explosive passing I have to take with a grain of salt because the offensive line struggled so much. So there were a couple of occasions where Jack Besh was open over the middle um, on an outbreaking route uh, on an intermediate route. There were opportunities for them to get the ball, Jack Besh, but the offensive line was so, so bad that it, I think the mental clock, which we all know quarterbacks have mental clocks in their head. I think it just was so quick for Jane Daniels and, I think it deserved to be at that point. So there were opportunities to get Jack best the ball more. I can't blame them too much for not throwing the ball. The one thing that I, and this is what I wrote about was I just don't think he was on the field enough. I'm not even talking about the the reception numbers yet, or the yards numbers, which I think will have to increase as the season goes on, which hopefully they will, but he was only on the field for, I counted 15 non non penalty plays. And, it makes a lot more sense when you go back and when you hear Brian Kelly talk about that they want to work him back into it. You know, they, they, they're still hesitant coming off the injury, which is a pretty big concern for me, considering, again, you have Mississippi State coming up in like eight days and then Auburn in two weeks after that. You need Jack Best to be a pivotal part of this offense moving forward. And if he's not healthy at this point, three weeks after I thought he was healthy, then how long is it going to take to get him back to 100%? Because while this receiver room is very good, Jack Besh for a lot of the offseason was talked about as like the second or third best receiver on this team. And I didn't really have a problem with that. So you need Jack Besh to get healthy. That's going to be the big thing moving forward is that I thought he was, if not 100%, I thought he was like 80%, 70%. I thought he looked fine in the game. Like I didn't see anything that made me think. Besh
0: is the type at 70% that's going to play like he's 100. Like that's oh, yeah. just the the DNA that he's built with. So uh, I'm with you. Uh, I think yeah. that and- as time goes on, Besh will be fine. Remember, Matthew, they only have eight receivers on scholarship. Like they have a really talented room. But when Besh is banged up, when Hilton and Ivietta, uh are kind of in and out of the lineup as well, yeah. uh, you sort of are relying on about five guys, uh, which we saw kind of pretty evenly spread out in the past game. They looked to Mason Taylor at tight end a lot. so. That uh, that will be something to watch. Uh, yeah, I think definitely the
1: the Mason Taylor impact I wrote about as well, which I'll summarize real quickly. It just it it did feel like they used Mason Taylor in that Jack Besh way in a sense last week, um, but not in the terms of Jack Besh can also take the top off the defense or at least you could throw him a jump ball. You know, there's there's plays where Jack Besh obviously excels that Mason Taylor doesn't at this point, but Mason Taylor was. Very good, and they used him and Cole Taylor a ton in the game. I'd have to go back and look at the snap counts, but Mason Taylor and Cole Taylor got a lot of reps.
0: This is Mike Dinbrock, the OC, who was at Cincinnati. He's been with Kelly before, whether it was while he was at Cincinnati, whether it's Kelly when he's at Notre Dame. They love two tight end sets. I mean, they love playing multiple tight ends. LSU may not have the personnel for that right now, or at least not as good as you want it to be, but it's evident they're not going to stray away. They're not like scrapping that from – uh, the playbook it's it's clear they still want to uh see what they can do playing a couple guys at once out there at tight end um one let's we'll wrap things up here with we're going to do a breakout player we each want to see then one thing we each want to see so you can adjust that uh, to your answers i'll yeah. start um i'll go breakout player first i want to see I want to see Case Butte to have a big
1: game. Oh, I was wondering if you, I was wondering if you would take that. You can go with that
0: game. too. That's fine. That, yeah, it's know. the obvious one, and yeah. I don't. It doesn't need any explanation. He should dominate a game like this. I want to see him go out, and, and I fully believe he can. And I just want to see them give him the chance to do that and boost that confidence before SEC play.
1: I think last time, last last year when they played McNeese, that was the Mason Smith breakout game where he had like. Three and a half sacks, something like that, and a bunch of tackles for loss. I'm going to look at, I think Makai Wingo can put up similar numbers or Jaqueline Roy. So actually, I'll, I'll take Jaqueline Roy and kind of hedge it with Makai Wingo. If one of them has a big game, I'll take credit for it either way. But uh, Jaqueline Roy, I think, is going to be my guy here. If he is the player which a lot of people believe him to be, which pro, pro Football Focus had him rated as what, like a top 10 pass rusher for an interior defensive lineman last year. And I think he had a good first game against Florida State, but there's just – and he obviously eats up a lot of blocks. Like, he has a tough job, really tough job as as either the nose or, in you know, one of those inside techniques. I think this could be a game where Jaqueline Roy has that Mason Smith game from last year against McNeese. Like, that two-sack game, two-and-a-half sacks, four-and-a-half tackles for loss, something like that where you're like, oh, Jaqueline Roy is just going to dominate this game. Because no Ali Gay early in the first half of the game. Um, obviously Mason Smith's out. You have BJ O'Jelari at the jack position still, but as far as interior defensive line, Jaqueline Roy, I think is going to have um, perhaps the best t- statistical game of his career. So, so get, put me down for that.
0: All right. Uh, one thing we want to see. I'm going to steal the, the easiest one again. I want to see special teams look good in the sense of I don't want to see any muff pun- I don't want to see any turnovers. No muff punts. Don't kick the ball out of bounds on kickoffs, uh, which they didn't do. Florida State did, but that's going to, I'm adding that to my list. Uh, Successfully convert your extra points, successfully get off your field goals. I'm not saying I'm holding you to making them all, I just actually be able to get it off. Um, Everything, all of those things that blocking assignments are executed correctly on extra points or on field goals, things that you easily forget about because they should be coached and executed and done every game to where it's, it's something that's not even part of the conversation, good or bad, or like, it's certainly not bad. It's, it's just completely glossed over because everybody expects it to look good. That's where I'm at right now with special teams. It was so bad that now I I'm demanding perfection this time. I've got to see them actually do all the simple things correctly this week, which you should have no trouble doing in this game.
1: Yeah. And they're, they're going to have plenty of opportunities to kick the ball you would think even if they only score like 42 or 49 points that's six or seven and they maybe. may
0: have a lot of punt returns you know if you if you're do if you're playing well this yep. game you're going to have a lot of chance to return punts
1: yes so special teams will will have uh, a lot of attention on it and i'm interested to see how the crowd reacts when they make their first extra point like is it going to be a sarcastic like cheer Oh, 100% like...
0: these people are petty petty when they catch that first punt return or fair catch it <sighs> It's successfully done or they make yeah. the extra point or field goal. It will be the, <laughs> one of the biggest cheers you hear all night. Oh, petty, petty, petty. Oh, all right, boy. what are you going with?
1: Boy, I I have two two different answers. But since we talked about the Southern defensive linings to the LSU offensive line, I'll, I'll leave that one out. But I, I am watching that. That is the one probably main thing for me. But secondly, I want to see how they run the ball. I want to yep, see – like we that. did not see them run the ball in terms of handing the ball off to running backs – they were not effective in that at all without John Emery. Noah Kane is what he is at this point. Uh, we kind of know he's not explosive, but he can move the ball, you know, three, four yards or so in a cloud of dust. Uh, Armani Goodwin, I think he could have maybe a couple explosive runs. We'll see how much we see Josh Williams. But I think running the ball and I think between the tackles more than anything, running the ball between the tackles and being effective with that against Southern, who albeit has good defensive line, but you should be able to run the ball against them. So that's what I'm looking for.
0: That was going to be my, that was going to be my go-to if I didn't take the, the easy way out uh, with special teams. So yes, I'd like to see them run the football successfully this week. I don't, I remember what two years ago was last year it these two seasons really blend together the past two seasons, yeah. but like early on in the season, they literally could not run the football. Like, and then it was like, it felt like they're going to have to pass it on every play now, just because they can't run it. Obviously they eventually got things fixed those years, but, uh, that's got to get. I want to see that fixed this week. I want to see production in the run game.
1: I feel like that was both years. I feel like that was last year Probably. and this year. Like it just did not nothing really stands out um, about those two years. But all right, man, I think that's all we have. A uh, good 20, 25 minute podcast, you know, get people maybe on their way to the game listening. There you go. Um, but all right, well, that's what we have for y'all today. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed it. Again, the podcast schedule, we've talked about it before. Uh, will be kind of set next week going into it. we'll have the post game show we'll have the monday mailbag tuesday recruiting pod uh wednesday we'll have a guest on um and then we'll have this on probably friday mornings moving forward uh, we will set that in stone um in the coming weeks so we appreciate y'all for joining us subscribe if you haven't already come subscriber to uh the Bengal tiger on three for one dollar for an entire year we are still running that offer so if you haven't already become a sub send it to a an LSU fan, you know, to become a sub, all that good stuff. We greatly appreciate it. Um, but yeah, we will talk to y'all later.
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere